Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, I had planned to stay put at home. <laughs> weekends I had planned of household repairs but then it dawned on me what's more important fixing a blocked drain or coming here to help unblock Scotland's path to independence hello and welcome to Hollywood sources we're recording on the 8th of November in the afternoon I'm Callum McDonald welcome to the podcast Alongside me, as always, Jeff Aberdeen, who was Alex Salmon's Chief of Staff. Hello, Jeff. Good afternoon. And Andy McKeever, who was Director of Communications for the Scottish Conservatives. Hello, Andy. Good afternoon. Andy McKeever joining us wearing a hoodie today, so arguably it is most laid back, I think, since we started the podcast. It's a very informal look. Let's see how that goes. Well, indeed. Uh, Let's get straight to our guest this week, who is Ash Regan, who is the Alaba Party's first... MSP. Ash, good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. It's uh, great to see you. Thank you for your time. Um, How are you doing? How have the last couple of weeks been since, well, I'm going to call it a defection, but I'm anticipating a bit of a response on that from you, first of all. Yeah, I mean, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, as you can imagine. No politician, uh, you know, leaves their political party lightly. I would say that, first of all, I'm sure people would understand that something that people take very seriously and think through. Um, But you'll know that obviously I'd been trying to, I guess, you know, address or at least have debate about some of the challenges that have been facing the SNP for the last wee while inside the party. Um, But I guess you get to the point where you, you know, the positions that you think the party should have and the positions that perhaps the leadership are taking, you're becoming, they're quite divergent. And I guess I got to that, that point where, uh, the policies that I thought we were, we should be pursuing in the SNP, I was diverging quite a lot from that. I want to be productive in Parliament. I want to, you know, I'm I've got into politics like I suppose most people do because you really want to be productive. You want to make things better. You want to, you know, you're passionate about certain 
policies and ideas about Scotland. For me, those two, the main things there are obviously the path to independence, getting independence for Scotland, because I see that as being uh, the, the best um, option for Scotland to live up to its potential and for it to be the best type of country for us all to live in, but also um, protecting and safeguarding women's rights. So that's why I made the decision to go to ALBA, because that's a party I think is very aligned with my views on, especially on those top two issues for me. Mm. What is it about the SNP that, that isn't, you know, as far as you're concerned, going about independence in the right way? Perhaps women's rights is something that's a bit more um, obvious, I guess, given that you'd resigned previously over, over similar issues and concerns. But what is it about independence that's, that was irking you? So the strategy, the strategy to get independence, you know, I think we've got a responsibility in pro-independence parties to take independence extremely seriously and to look very carefully at how we progress and achieve it. And um, I obviously, you know, with others watched uh, the most recent SNP conference and the strategy that was then um, adopted and I just don't think it's a credible strategy. I don't think it's credible to lose uh, MPs as polling is suggesting that the SNP is, is likely to do and then to use that as a, a mandate to, to ask for a referendum. To me, that seems like the same strategy that the SNP has been following for a number of years now. And it's a strategy that's it's not been successful. So uh, my view on that is, you know, the one that I put forward in the leadership contest that I think... Um, in the absence of a referendum, that we should use the democratic processes that are available to us. And that was obviously be, you know, each and every election, you work with other pro-independence parties um, under, a, you know, ALBA, the terminology they're using for that is, you know, the Scotland United idea. I'm sure people, well, I hope people might have an idea of what that entails. That's working with all the, the pro-independence parties. And then if and when you achieve over the 50% of votes, and that, that's a key difference there, because I think it needs to be that high bar that you can then take that as an instruction from the people of Scotland to go and negotiate for Scotland's exit. Yeah, uh, indeed. And it's something we've covered with uh, Mr. Salmond. Alex Salmond was on this podcast a few months ago, uh, and so he was explaining more about that. Um, that's obviously still in your podcast feed if you want to scroll back and have a listen. I just want to ask as well, Ash, about Hamza Yusuf's response to your leaving the SNP. Um, he said, and I'm quoting, It is no great loss to the SNP group, I have to say. And it's also hardly not a surprise either, given Ash's statements for many months. In fact, for longer than that. How do you feel about being described as no great loss? Well, I think Hamza, I think we can all see Hamza's been under a lot of pressure in the last few weeks. I think it's only in the last few days um, that his in-laws have obviously managed to to get out of Gaza. So I think he's been under a lot of pressure. You know, if I'm being completely honest, I think it was a bit unbecoming of somebody in high office to to make remarks like that. But um, I want to work with the SNP, you know, and I I wish him well for um, his leadership and I wish the SNP well. And I want to continue to work with the SNP, you know, as I'm sure I will be able to on a whole range of issues. Yeah. If I may come on the back of that, um, Ash, I mean, I, 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 you know, I've, I've given... Hamza rightly, I think, a lot of credit in recent weeks for his uh, uh, performances in terms of um, what he's dealing with personally, as you rightly point out, and actually dealing with some of the, the, the challenges he's facing in a public policy landscape as well. But I, 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 I didn't like what he said. I said it last week. I, I thought it was a misstep. It was unbecoming. But it wasn't just Hamza, of course. There were other people in the SNP that said something 
similar. And, and I think this gets down to um, the very nub of the issue for me. Um, you talk about Scotland United and bringing the parties of independence uh, together. Uh, as somebody that believes in independence and, and always has, it is hugely frustrating to see the tone uh, of debate between the parties of independence, um, the bickering that goes on. And to be fair, Alba uh, are not, not innocent in that regard as well from some from, from the followers um, uh, and, and on social media here. How do you get to a position uh, whereby there is some sort of accommodation across the independence parties? Because one thing that's for certain, if the polling is telling us anything, that this is not chiming well with the electorate. Um, and how does that get resolved uh, from uh, the SNP, yes, from the Greens, yes, from the Socialists, but also from ALBA as well? Everyone has a responsibility in that regard. Uh, they do. I agree with that completely. And, you know, I've been saying, um, I've been saying that for a, a number of months now, that I've always, always felt as a, a former Yes campaigner that independence is not about one person. It's not even about one political party. And actually, if you if you look um, to other areas that are pushing for independence, you'll see it's quite normal to have lots of independence parties that don't share the same policies on, on other issues. And that's normal. So I think we all do need to work together. I think it's really important. I don't I personally don't think we're going to get independence if the independence um, political parties and, you know, also the, the civil side of that are able to work together. So I think it's important for the politicians at the top of this, so obviously that would be you know senior people in the SNP, and then I will take responsibility personally for this myself um, as a newly senior um, you know MSP in the Alba Party to set the tone on that and to say you know that actually we might have our policy differences, but we're not going to attack people personally, and, and we're going to try to be work constructively as possible across across you know the the landscape. So I, I tried to set that out in my speech. So my, my first speech, obviously, at the Alba conference a couple of weeks ago, you know, and I really, I thought I quite laboured it, you know, saying that we've got to let the anger go. Um, and this was obviously directed at, um, you know, uh, the Alba audience and try to work constructively. So I'm, I'm trying to do that. I accept it. It's an important point, And I, I do agree with you. And I, I'm trying to play my part in that. I just, I just, I just want to just, um, perhaps for the benefit of our, of our listeners um, uh, who might not have been so uh, involved in, in politics back in 2014, the, the general mantra across the movement was Scotland's future in Scotland's hands. And underneath that, there was a number of political parties, <clears throat> including the Greens, including the Socialists, including the SNP, of course, who were spearheading it, but also, as Ash points out, a lot of uh, uh, different stakeholders from Civic Scotland as well. And, you know, I'm the first to admit, won't, you won't be surprised. I don't agree with everything the Greens say, and they certainly won't agree with everything that I say. Um, but there was a respect for that common-held, overarching ambition. Uh, and, and I cannot stress, from my perspective anyway, the importance of trying to come to some accommodation across uh, those parties. Because if I'm a unionist right now, I'm rubbing my hands every time I open up Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called these days uh, and just uh, lapping up. Uh, and I think it's so important that that sort of accommodation, at whatever level, uh, just to accept the overarching point and accepting there'll be differences of opinion on policies is achieved because if it's not, only failure awaits. 
I thought, uh, Jeff, you were the leader of the hydrocarbon wing of the Green Party. I must have got that wrong. <laughs> um, You're worse than me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they really like me. Anyway, um, I, I agree with a lot of what uh, Ash is saying here from a sort of outsider looking in perspective. I think uh, I actually wrote a column a while ago about you know pondering whether or not independence can be achieved through the SNP alone. It doesn't, you know, if you look um, more logically at it, and if you look around the world as well, it's, it's pretty unusual for one party to dominate the whole movement in the way that the SNP has. So I actually think Ash is right about that. I think I'm not convinced ALBA is the answer to that, but that's a slightly separate issue. I, I, I do think there is room, without question, I think there is room for another pro-independence party, and specifically I think there's room for a pro-independence party on the centre-right, because if you look back to 2014, that's why Yes didn't get over the line, because it wasn't seen as being economically credible and there was very little to offer um, a centre-right voter. So I think that's correct. I also think, I have to say, I also think that Ash's vision of a mandate, and I don't think this is a controversial thing to say, I think it's pretty obvious that Ash's vision of a mandate is stronger than the SNP's vision of a mandate. 50% plus one of the votes is very clearly a stronger mandate than 50% of the seats. So, you know, I think I, 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 mean, I think that's pretty obvious, to be honest. I, I think it's almost inarguable that that is the case. However, on the other side of the coin, um, it takes two to tangle, right? And we know that whether it's the Tories or Labour in Westminster, there is not going to be a negotiation based... And and, uh, and let's, let's, let's go with Hamza's vision at the moment. There is clearly not going to be a negotiation based on 29 seats being won. There wouldn't be a negotiation based on 57 seats being won. Um, and even if Ash's vision came true, there also wouldn't be a negotiation based on 50% of the vote being won either. So now I don't necessarily agree with that. And I've said before, I think the mandate has existed for a referendum since 2021. Um, but this is real life. And this is what Westminster is going to say. And so the question is, when you have two elections coming up, that polling is telling us the SNP are going to make pretty substantial losses at, and which polling is currently telling us, this may not happen, but polling is currently telling us there will be a unionist majority in the Scottish Parliament in 2026. I suppose the question is, what's the long-term plan for Ash and the ALBA party? Because if it ceases to be credible to even talk about 50% plus one of the votes, what's your role then? What do you do then? Well, I don't think... Did you just say it's not credible to talk about 50% plus one? Because I don't agree with you on that, if that is well, what you if said. It, if it's not... By the, I mean, I, I do... The independence polling remains strong. Absolutely accept that. It's 47% in every vote. Yeah. But yeah. If, if there is a unionist majority in the Scottish Parliament, nobody's yeah. going to be talking about independence anymore. It's not going to be right. a live issue anymore. And so I think it becomes more difficult to credibly talk about 50% plus well, one that's, at that point. Well, that's why... I've taken the decision that I have at the time that I have, right? Because my view is that we are in a position now where we are coming up to sort of a, a last chance in the short term to to get independence. And, you know, it might not be the case for everybody in this room right now, but for some people, you know, this is something that they've been working for for a really long time. You know, we, we mostly see there's a majority of support for independence in the polls. So we're mostly seeing that and it's, it's fairly consistent now. 
So for most people, uh, that is what they want. So I wanted to go to a party that could um, consistently and in a focused way work to get independence. So that's why we're talking about um, a Scotland United approach. So I think I'm right in saying, I haven't looked it up recently, but when I did look at it, at the last Scottish elections for the list vote, I think the pro-independence parties all added up together was just over the 50%. So I say that is possible. If you give independence supporters a reason to come out and vote for you, they will. They will, cu- they will come out to that polling station and they will vote, which is why I think we need to adopt that strategy, right? And we're also seeing um, the yes vote decoupling from the SNP vote. So we need to accept, you know, if we're accepting that that's what the polling is showing us, then the only way to get over the 50%, we're not going to do it just with the SNP. It would have to be in the, the, the Scotland United approach. And then if we do do that, obviously, I know um, people who don't support independence as much as I do always want to talk about process and how you'll get the UK government to the table and so on. But I think we need to get through these hurdles first. We need to set out a, a credible strategy to independence We need to let the Scottish people decide if they want to back it. And if they do, and the Scottish people have said, you know, unequivocally that they support Scottish independence, I don't want to say now that the UK government are not Democrats and that they won't take that seriously. I think they would take it seriously. So it's interesting then to consider, I suppose, that that what you're kind of saying actually is that you're kind of going to hang on to the SNP's coattails a bit to to get over the finish line here. I'm trying to understand Alaba's well, role because actually you're different. still counting on the SNP well, yeah. winning big time in order that you guys can pick up a few seats and then say, look, here's the super majority or whatever. Here's the majority for independent. Well, I'm, I'm coming back to the points we've been discussing mm. that we, we, will, we need to accept, I feel, this is a, the reality of the political situation that we're in, that we all need to work together. And, that, you know, we all, each part is needed if we look at it that way. So we would work together, but this way you would maximize the pro-independence vote. You know, we know about the, the arithmetic when it comes to the Scottish Parliament with the vote one and the vote two, and this will maximize that vote. And, you know, like we're saying, it's normal to have multiple independence parties. So I think there's a key role here for, um, you know, ALBA. And, you know, we're not necessarily even going after SNP votes, right? So we've got this, the statistics here that 47% of people that voted yes have said that they won't vote SNP again at the next election. So as ALBA, we are seeking to make a pitch, if you like, to people that feel at the moment they're politically homeless. You know, for, for whatever reason, they don't, they've just made the decision already they're not going to vote SNP. So I guess it's, it's my job and the other people at ALBA's job to make that pitch to people and say, you know, that if you want, you know, an, um, an independence party that's completely focused on independence, you know, unwavering, relentless, you know, um, approach to getting Scotland's independence. Mm. Um, you want to protect women's rights. Um, you want to protect oil and gas workers. The, the ALBA party is the party that, you, you know, hopefully will consider giving us their vote at the next election and the Scottish election after that. Do you think that's an easy pitch when all the representatives of ALBA at the moment, yourself, a couple of MPs as well, Alex Salmond, the face of Alaba, are all from the SNP, that, that actually you've all left the SNP. Mm-hmm. What is to stop people looking at Alaba and going, it's just the SNP by any other name, actually? Well, it's, a pro, it's pro-independence, so, so it's the, the same cause. Yeah. So it's probably not unusual that the, 
Yeah, it's not it's, it's not surprising, right? That the politicians in Alba are you know pro independence, and so that you know we've come from the SNP. I don't think that's too surprising for people, but I think that many people, myself included, have felt for some time now that the SNP's focus on independence was was drifting. Um, and that's not even if we get um, into some of the other policies. Unfortunately, the SNP have um, prioritized um, the influence, I would say, um, the negative influence electorally, at least that the coalition with the Green Party has had. So yeah, it's, I think it's something that many people will be thinking about right now. You know, I'm having lots of conversations. I, obviously, when I was in the SNP, I had a lot of people who were writing to me who had maybe been SNP voters or maybe been members of the SNP talking to me about the issues they were having about continuing to support the SNP. So I feel maybe I've got a slightly different view on on that than maybe some of my former colleagues, because I think people were were writing to me to talk about some of these issues. So I know for it's for certain that there are people out there that are pro-independence, that feel very, um, you know, they're politically homeless they feel a bit aggrieved, you know, about some aspects and it, they're not all the same. Obviously, they, many of them have different things that, that are important to them. So, you know, I would say to them, if you're politically homeless and, you, and you're pro-independence, you know, come come to Alba. Just one thing, and I'd be really interested in Jeff's views on this as well, actually. All of that presumes that people who support independence are more driven by that than they are by other things. So there are a lot of yes voters who are polling for Labour at the moment. Um, and I think the issue, and we don't, until this is electorally tested, we don't know, this is all theoretical, but they're currently polling for Labour. Um, and they're seeing mm-hmm. Labour as their new mechanism, old new mechanism for getting rid of the Tories. That's what they're doing. And so I think, I, I, I guess the ALBA strategy presumes that pro-independence supporters are motivated by that more than anything else. And I am not convinced that they are. And I think that's why they're polling for Labour. What do you think, Jeff? You know, yeah, I, I wanted to, because I was just going to make that a, a similar point. Um, so, so perhaps Ash, you can pick up both. The, the, you said earlier, you know, the reality of the political situation we face. Well, to me, that reality is um, a general election contest whereby it will be framed by who's going to be the next prime minister. You know, is it going to be Keir Starmer or will it be Rishi Sunak? And in that context, Andy's absolutely right, there's a degree of evidence at the ballot box in terms of what happened in Rutherglen, but there's clearly a lot of polling evidence to suggest that as well. And I feel, and I've said this before, far better for Hamza Youssef and the Alba party and the Green party to put this to the touch in 2026 at the Scottish elections. Now, I know that might frustrate some independent supporters, but I don't believe, and I've said this before as well, that anyone really fully respects, recognises, and on all sides of the political debate, uh, uh, the the positioning for uh, independence from the SNP just now. And I just don't see how that Alba, doing a Scotland United at the general election, gets you that 50% plus one. We may be wrong, Andy's absolutely right. But far better to try and create the campaign circumstances at a Scottish election where the focus is principally on Holyrood. And that is actually where we won the last referendum in 2011, not at Westminster, at Holyrood. Yes, I mean, these are all perfectly legitimate points. Uh, You know, clearly 
as I've said, you know, the, the when you add up the votes for pro-independence parties for the last Scottish election on the list only, it was over 50%. So we know it's 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 practically possible to get it. It's, it's happened before. You know, so that is definitely an option. And I, I really genuinely would like to see this Scotland United approach for that election. I think it's it's really important that we have that. The SNP have obviously said that they don't um, they don't want to get involved in Scotland United for the general election. That you know they've been up front and they said that. Um, but coming back to Andy's point, you know, there's obviously other things going on in a general election. You know, you're quite right to, to point that out. People will be having different considerations. I think the Scottish electorate are quite sophisticated in that, and they can have different ideas about what they might choose at you know at any given moment, depending on which election. And also, I would say that yes, supporters are not a homogenous group. You know, some will have you know, different considerations that will come into play in terms of how they vote. And yeah, the general election and the Scottish election are, are very different. I think I, I would completely agree with you. However, I would say that even for the general election, the Scotland United approach will maximise the number of pro-independence MPs. You know, if we look at, you know, Neil Hanvey's seat that he he holds at the moment, if we don't have a Scotland United a- approach there, you know, if Neil stands, then an SNP candidate is standing against him. I think um, polling would suggest that it is likely that then a, a unionist party, the Labour Party, will will take that seat. So, so hang on then. So, so what? So, who's the winner in that situation? And again, it sort of comes back to this question of the existence of Alaba in the first place, because one of the, one of the things you're saying about the previous uh, Holyrood election was the independent parties reached. Um, you know, uh, the 50 plus one percent of the vote. Alba didn't win an, any any MSPs or any representation in that election. And then if Neil Hanvey stands and the vote is split by him versus an SNP person, in what way is this a good thing for the independence movement? But that, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be like that. In a, in a Scotland United approach, um, it would just be Neil that stands. Therefore, you know, then everybody's pro-independence can then support Neil, and then, you know, giving us, I would say, the best chance to re- retain that seat, which obviously contributes to the overall number of pro-independence MPs. Got you. Even though people voted SNP in Neil Hanvey's seat last time out? Well, obviously, it was quite a, a complicated situation, wasn't it, for Neil? So I think he, I think I'm right in saying that he had SNP on the ballot paper, is that right? But by that point, I think he wasn't part of the SNP anymore. Is that the case? I, I can't remember exactly. Mm, yeah. 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 Okay, go on, Jeff. Yeah. Can I can I just I just want it was kinda of slight navigating I was just interesting listening to your talk there, Ash, and I was thinking, you know, what is it that the SMP right now have to do mm-hmm. moving away slightly from independence? But in terms of public policy priorities, what is it that they have to do that would gain Alba oh, sorry, Alapa. Three syllables. Uh, sorry, I'm not understanding your. What are you try, What are you asking me? Sorry. So, so, what are the priorities that the SNP need to take forward mm-hmm. that would gain Alapa support in this particular context? Um, for for you to say, yeah, I'm going to five o'clock. I'm voting in favour. What's the priorities for you? What are you going to be lobbying the Scottish government to do? Ah, I see what you're saying. You mean in terms of like I, I, the vote I, I, by vote basis in the parliament, that, you know, this year? Yeah, and I'm trying to understand a little bit more about what the ideology is of the Alpa Party. You know, are you pro-growth? What is your position on rural affairs? Where are you on education, on health? What are these things 
that, that you know, to Callum's point, would perhaps distinguish Alipa on a, on a public policy platform yeah. versus the SNP? Well, I'll just give you a couple of examples, um, and that would be obviously the gender reform. So that, that was obviously very significant for me, me, and not just me, but for vast swathes of the voting public out there in Scotland, which I think was something that was not well understood um, inside the bubble, um, you know, the higher levels of the SNP before we got to that vote. I don't think it was quite understood about how, how unpopular that was going to be. So a good example of that would be that obviously um, the SNP government has decided to challenge the Section 35 order. They're, they're taking that to court. Um, I saw an estimate of the costs involved in that, and it's you know just under a quarter of a million pounds. So I don't think the public would be very happy with the Scottish government spending that amount of money when we're in a cost of living crisis to potentially win a court case to enact a law that the Scottish public doesn't want to enact. So that's that's one example. And then the other one would be on oil and gas. So you you may remember that I took um, um, a different approach, really, to what the SNP had been setting out as their approach to oil and gas. And again, if you look at the polling on this, you know, the majority of the Scottish public are not in favour of winding down our Scottish um, industry, you know, putting people out of jobs. And I suppose the... The way that that works in Scotland is you have some people who are working in these very um, highly paid jobs. They're living in communities where they wouldn't have those highly paid jobs potentially if they if the oil and gas jobs weren't available. So it would be putting our communities under a lot of strain to, to close down that industry, put people out of work, and then import oil from abroad. So I think we need. I personally would want to have a more nuanced approach to that, and definitely come to you know be on the side of the workers. So we Alba has a a different approach, I would say, to the oil and gas industry. We've got a different approach on GRR. So that's just a couple of examples. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's really interesting to hear, you know, your, your willingness to work with others, you know, in, a, in the interest of what you're trying to achieve, etc. Are you detecting any any receptiveness to that collegiate approach? I mean, we've mentioned Hamza Yusuf's comments when you left the SNP a couple of weeks ago, which were, let's be real, quite scathing. Um, we read in the last couple of weeks of the Greens, uh, the Scottish Greens being unwilling to even share a corridor with you at this point. I'm just wondering how you're feeling about actually being in Parliament with these people who are saying these things about you. 
Well, I'm not one for a quiet life, am I? Let's let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think it's probably fair to say that maybe if this wasn't a surprise to certainly, you know, maybe S&P and Green College, it was a bit of a shock in the moment, if that makes sense. Like, I won't speak for them, but I'm kind of a, I, um, understand that might be the case. I think that once this beds in a bit and everybody gets used to the fact that there's somebody else there that's in another pro-independence party and that I can hold... Um, the government to account without talking Scotland down and that I'm trying to be constructive and wanting to work across Parliament, both with, you know, pro-indie parties and others, which I always have done, by the way. You know, when I was in government and taking legislation through, I always thought it was really important to work with with everybody to try to get the best legislation for, for Scotland out of it. So I think once that happens, I'm hopeful that um, there will be a good working relationship going forward. But yeah, on the office, on the office space um, topic... Um, people may not be aware, but in the Scottish Parliament, offices are arranged in kind of a party political affiliation. You know, so you have the Tories on one floor and the SNP are on another floor. So I guess it's quite normal if you, you know, change political party that the whips might want you to, you know, leave the, the SNP floor, in my case, uh, and go, go elsewhere. So there's not that many places. There doesn't seem to be that much potential, um, you know, office space that's available uh, so myself and a couple of colleagues, we had a little wander around last week on the different corridors just to see, you know, what space was available. And I think that's where that, that story has come from. We were obviously spotted on the green corridor, which uh, uh, gave rise to, you know, that story that we saw in the media. But I, I think we're all professionals. We should be able to work together. So I think, you know, saying to the media that people would be afraid to work next to me. I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't think that's a sensible way forward. No. Have you spoken to Patrick Harvey or Lorna Slater or any of the Scottish Greens since leaving the SNP? No. I haven't, no. But I have to say, I didn't probably speak to them that much, you know, beforehand. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's not unusual. It's not much of a change, if you, if you like. Sure, sure. And they've not reached out to you either to sort of say, you know, we welcome this constructive collegiate approach that you want to you want to pursue no no uh, i think andy wants to come in yeah I mean, look I, I thought that was really silly last week to be honest i mean the, <laughs> the scottish parliament was started 25 years ago and it was supposed to be a place of tolerance uh, and a more collegiate environment and um you know i think there's been a lot of intolerance on display of people who have different views uh, so i thought it was already quite foolish um last week with all that corridor nonsense to be honest with you can i go back just a little bit, though, because I've just been sitting here thinking while Ash has been speaking about that, about a couple of the, of the particular policy areas that she mentioned were differentiators. And I think it's been interesting over the last few weeks, and arguably, if you look back over longer than that, at the changes the Scottish government has made since Hamza Yusuf came into office. I think they're not to be underestimated, some of those changes, actually, and some of what he's got rid of. So this week, we saw, for example, highly protected marine areas getting the more formal kiss of death. Um, we all knew it was going to happen anyway, but, you know, they were formally ditched. I wouldn't be at all... So, I, I, and obviously we've seen changes on tax recently as well. Briefings that income tax rises will be ditched. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there, there is movement. There are things happening um, to appeal to a variety of communities, including the business community, that were not being appealed to before. I wouldn't be at all surprised if... For example, gender recognition just quietly disappears. I wouldn't be at all surprised at that. I wouldn't be at all surprised if there is 
much more progress towards favourability to the oil and gas industry as a key part of the transition to renewables. I think a lot of the things that Ash is identifying as differentiators, I wouldn't be surprised if the SNP moves on those things over the next few months, over the next year. And what happens then if they do? Well, you you say that, Andy. However, what you have to remember is that in coalition with the Greens, a couple of the issues you've mentioned are red line issues for the Greens. So this is the thing when you're in coalition, you can't... But they're going nowhere though, right? (laughs) They're going to take that and stay is what they're going to do. Well, we don't know what they're going to do. But that's what I'm saying to you is that, you know, I know that the GRR and taking it as, as far as possible... You know, will be a um, you know is likely to be a red line for the, for the Greens, and so it may not there may not be that flexibility there. Um, in terms of you know HPMAs, um, I actually um, abstained in that vote because I, I want to, I didn't want to vote, I was still in the SNP at that point I didn't want to vote against the government but I wanted to register that I you know I didn't agree with that policy I thought it was potentially um, had been ill conceived it was being badly managed. It was setting the government on course to, you know, look like all out war with some communities in Scotland, which to me does not seem like a a favourable policy making environment. So it's good that that one has formally been, you know, you know, we've been told that that one's not going ahead. And I think that's the right decision. But um, yeah, I just think in coalition, things are not as straightforward. So obviously it's up to the SNP, you know, what they decide to do. And you're right. I think they may look at some things and, and think, well, we should move on this. But obviously that's that's up to them. Uh, Ash, I'm going to ask a very a question that probably only I can get away with, actually, um, in, in many senses. But let me preface, but preface it by saying... <laughs> You know, when we started this conversation, you know, we, we talked about Scotland United and I reflected back on Scotland's future in Scotland's hands in 2014. Now, it's no secret that I, I was never a big fan of, of the establishment of Alba as a political party. I also felt there was a much stronger case for actually being that overarching campaign group or that, that did seek to... Um, Uh, speak to all parties, but wasn't a political party itself, speak to all civic stakeholders, but wasn't a political party itself. I thought that would be much stronger, but that's by the by, and and, and that that ship has sailed. However, I do want to ask a question about your party leader, because the reality is in poll after poll after poll, um, his approval ratings are in the doldrums. He won't like me for reminding people of that, but it's true. And so my question to you is twofold. Firstly, do you think he's an asset or a liability? And secondly, at what stage would a, another person like to lead the Alba party? And uh, would that person be you, given that you are the first MSP uh, uh, to represent the party? So you're, you're asking me that after a week. <laughs> <laughs> you might be the only parliamentarian left in a year's time, you know? <laughs> Give me a minute. To uh, at least read through the policies, why don't you? <laughs> Look, I, I that's what we want to see. <laughs> yeah, I personally have a lot of respect for for Alex Hammond. I think he's a you know probably as close to a political genius you know in terms of tactics and so on. And so I have a lot of respect for Alec. But I understand you know people across Scotland have different views about politicians that they like. You know, um, many politicians have quite quite low um, ratings when you look at that type of polling. 
Um, indeed, I don't think Hamza's polling on that is, is looking particularly good for him right now either. So uh, this can happen to, to anyone. But obviously, the ALBA party would make a decision on, on who their leader is. Like every other political party, you know, they, they, would, they would choose that. A very political answer. Who would you like answer. to see joining ALBA next, <laughs> Ash? Yeah, very political. Who should be next? Well, we would be open to, to I think, any and everyone, any fine nationalists uh, in the SNP ranks that, you know, would want to come across to, to ALBA, we would welcome them with open arms. But look, I'm, I'm practical, I'm a realist, you know, there, there, there may not be any for a while. So we'll just, we'll just, uh, I think it's important if I think that if people can see that I'm, you know, I am working constructively, I think that'll go a long way to kind of maintaining relationships between all the pro-Indy parties. And I would include the Greens in that as well. Although, uh, I think Lona Slater said last week, didn't she, that independence wasn't a red line for them. So uh, it seems that they're not as serious about independence as we had once thought. Mm. How does that make you feel? Well, I think if we are looking at the polling and we're talking about the, the Scottish elections, the next one's coming up and, you know, if we look at the polling, we're anticipating that the parliament will potentially look very different than it does right now. I can tell you one thing, that the ALBA party will certainly not be going into any coalitions with unionists, you know, as the, Green have have the Greens have suggested that they might. For the ALBA party, independence is most certainly a red line. But just to be clear then, if, if the rules were, let's say, um, I know polling would indicate this is a stretch, but let's say that uh, Hamza holds the 64 seats, um, and Alba gets eight, like the Greens had last time. Will you be happy to go into a formal coalition with Hamza in the way that uh, Patrick Harvey and Lawrence Slater have this time? Yeah. So we'll work with um, other pro-Indy parties. And certainly, I think that would be, you know, would be something that we would consider. Ash, just a final question then. Yeah. What do these first few weeks look like for you? And and by the way, you know, we've not mentioned the fact that, that by, by switching party, your constituents haven't had their say yet. And so that is yet to come for you in a couple of years' time. For, I'm wondering what your constituents are saying to you when you meet them about this switch and therefore how that sort of influences what you think you can achieve in these next few weeks, but going forward from here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as you can imagine, I've you know had a number of people write to me um, both constituents and people from uh, you know other parts of Scotland, and on the constituency front, I've had a number of people who have written to me and said that you know well done, you've done exactly the right thing, that they'd um, you know come to the same conclusions that I had, you know they'd either they were members of the SNP they'd maybe left and they'd they joined ALBA or they're in no party at the moment. So I've certainly had constituents reach out to me on that basis. I have equally had constituents reach out to me saying, you know that they. Um, would not vote ALBA, you know, and they would want to have an SNP MSP representing them. Um, and so obviously there's, you know, as you might expect, there's a, di- there's a difference of opinion there, which is, is perfectly legitimate, obviously. I, f- I feel, as I've set out, that I, I'm being true to my election pledge. You know, I, I stood in front of the voters in 2016 and 2021, genuinely standing on a platform where I committed to them to progress and achieve independence. And for me, I just didn't feel I could go back to the electorate again for the third time um, under the SNP banner and and say that to them. So that's why I've chosen to switch to the Alba party. So, yes, I'll be uh, standing for election again in, the, in it's a couple of years time now. And obviously, the, um, you know, the people of Scotland will get will get their choice and then they will get to decide, you know, how much trust that they put in Alba. And I would like to think that they will trust us to, to progress and achieve independence. And just on that other point, just very quickly, um, uh, what does a successful first few weeks as Alba's first MSP 
look like for you? Yeah, so I'm working on the scrap the school meal debt campaign at the moment. So um, that is something I'm certainly going to seek to to meet with the Scottish government about um, around about budget time as something that um, I would ask for. So for anyone that isn't aware of this, it's about 30,000 school children across Scotland um, whose families are in debt over um, the cost of school meals. I think we should be scrapping that. You know, we should be writing it off. Um, it's, you know, in, in budgetary terms, it's a fairly small amount. I think it's 0.03% of the Scottish budget. It's about £1.8 million. And then once we do that, if we can go on to roll out their free school meals, then that will mean that no other child has to go into school meal debt. So that's um, something that I'm working on. We'll obviously be looking at various ways that we can um, progress at the cause of independence. I'm also doing a member's bill at the moment, so I've, I've got a lot on my plate right now. And you're trying to find an office as well, lest we forget. Um, Good grief. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks, Ash, for your time. It's great to have you on the podcast. It's, um, you know, it's it's been a fascinating couple of weeks for you and we're, we're glad to get some time to speak to you. So thank you very much. Great. Thanks very much.